Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of the show to hear how you can get a copy of this program and other helpful documents. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Tim. Hi, I'm Carrie McCoy, and like Tim said, it's time for me to get up in your business. For the next hour, my guest, Don Dugan, restaurateur and founder of Dugan Pub, and I will be getting up in the business of how we maneuvered the path of entrepreneurship in pursuit of our dreams. I started my company, Arkansas Flag and Banner, over 40 years ago. During the last four decades, Arkansas Flag and Banner has grown and morphed from door-to-door sales to telemarketing to mail order and catalog sales and now relies heavily on the Internet. Each change in sales strategy required a change in company thinking and procedures. My wisdom, confidence, and my company grew. My initial $400 investment now produces nearly $4 million in annual sales. $400 investment, that was it? That's it. That's crazy. I know. I wish I could do that. You know, the Arkansas Times told me last week he started Arkansas Times with $200. No. That's what he said last Alan week. did? Alan did last week, yeah. Uh, you're messing up my intro there, Don. Sorry. Go right ahead. <laughs> it just blew me away. I couldn't believe it. Each week, you will hear a candid conversation between me and my guest about real-world experiences on a variety of businesses and topics that I hope you'll find interesting. Starting and owning a business is like so many things. It takes persistence, perseverance, and patience. I worked part-time jobs for nine years before Arkansas Flag and Banner grew enough to support just me. It's now grown and expanded so much that to operate efficiently, we require, are you ready? A purchasing, manufacturing, graphic, shipping, technology, accounting, marketing, sales, and customer service department, plus a retail store. 25 people or more make their living from working at Arkansas Flag and Banner. My guest today is restaurateur Don Dugan, owner, operator, founder of Dugan's Pub and Stratton's Market in downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. For 30 years, Dugan has built an extensive and expansive career in the culinary industry. Like so many in his field, he began as a server and a dishwasher. In an interview, Dugan was quoted saying, I waited tables in college and really loved the business. Yes, he did. Dugan moved up the restaurant business ladder, taking promotion and changing companies as his knowledge, pay, and responsibility grew. What began as a busboy at Shoney's led to jobs at Shorty Smalls, Chanel Country Club, Kelly's Bistro, Julie's, and The Afterthought, just to name a few. In October of 2010, Dugan's Pub opened. Not long after this, Don saw an opportunity to buy the building space next door to Dugan's Pub and opened Stratton's Market, which today operates as both a neighborhood grocery store and a package store. Welcome to the table, successful restaurateur and now grocery store owner, Don Dugan. Hello, hello. You have a nice radio voice. Thank you. You've done this before. Once or twice. But I like it. It's fun. So you have extensive training in the restaurant business. I do. Uh, if there's a job to be done in the restaurant, aside from sommelier, I don't think that there's any other job in the restaurant that I have not done. However, I can probably pick out different types of wine, different styles of wine. Uh, probably can't give you a year or what's out of the hill it was grown on. You know, that's that's a little in-depth for me. Um, but I, And I'm not a trained sommelier. However, I do enjoy wine and working at Chanel Country Club and Pleasant Valley Country Club and then at La Scala and the Afterthought, those are places that I really got the opportunity to try to hone that skill. And that was something that I enjoyed doing a lot. 
Is that why you put a 12-foot wine wall in your grocery store? Partially. Because so I like wine. You, Who doesn't like wine? Come on. Uh, I don't know. Don't answer that question. I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> so tell us about starting from college when you first started and got the restaurant bug, and which I think a lot of people have. We kind of talked about that before the show started. Everybody in this room's kind of had the fantasy that they were oh, going to yeah. be a restaurateur. So I honestly didn't really want to be in the restaurant business, but when I was in college, I, I had worked at a couple of restaurants in high school and they were, you know, fast foodie type places and, and also Shoney's, but I was in the kitchen at Shoney's. And when I went to college, mom said, well, it's great. I can help take care of some of your bills, but you're going to have to get a job. And I said, oh, okay. So I went, and uh, there's another guy that I was talking to that uh, ended up being my roommate. Uh, his name is Brian Bell. He lives in north central Arkansas in Mountain Home. He's a contractor up there and a really nice guy. So if, you get, if you're in that area, need somebody, give him a call. What's his How, name? Brian Bell. There you go. He is does uh, Bell Construction or something? Yeah, okay. I, th- I believe that's right. Okay. So he and I were talking, and we were like, well, let's go out and – Found a job. So we went, you know, because his parents had told him he needed a job too. So we went out to different places and applied. And one of the places that we both put in an application was this place called Poncho's Mexican Restaurant. In Jonesboro, Arkansas. In Jonesboro. And it was uh, right on Caraway there, I believe. And we both ended up getting hired at the same time. And uh, at that time, he wasn't my roommate, but then he wound up being my roommate throughout that semester. He wanted to get out of the dorms and move in with me. So we... Started waiting tables there and really enjoyed it. We were probably two of the most competitive people in that place. For tables or something? But just in general. Yeah, I'm a fairly competitive person. I don't like to lose very often, but I, I do. Don't get me wrong. But I try to win every chance I get. So, But we would uh, kind of have contests with each other and with other people on staff. You know, this wasn't anything that was sanctioned by the management. It was just something that we just did because we wanted to like what we wanted kind to see of well like to see who could sell the most every day and then who could sell the most of this item or this item could or this sell the item most margaritas or, or something well it would have been had there been alcohol there but there wasn't alcohol there but i did enjoy waiting tables and it was fun and we had a good time and it just seemed like a really cool gig well when i left there uh came back home and started working at shorty smalls i'd applied at like seven or eight places in town and that were all kind of on the west side of town because i grew up over there right by breckenridge village and you got applied, a job at I, I applied at shorty smalls and started waiting tables there and then i started to understand what the whole pushing each other and, and sales contests and, and things like that were for one of the one of the things that they did at shorty's that i i thoroughly enjoyed was if you were in the top three in sales then you got to write your own schedule so if you were if you what a so, good idea. Yeah, I mean, and they did it, you know, on your per person average. So if you had 20 people that came in and they spent X amount of money and somebody else had 20 people that came in and they spent less, well, then your per person average is more, right? So uh, if your per person average was higher, then you got to write your own schedule. And whoever was second got to write their own schedule, but they couldn't conflict with what you wanted. And whoever was third could write their own schedule, but they couldn't conflict with everybody else. And then the other folks that were, you know, down below that didn't make it, that were 4th, 5th through 12th, all just kind of had to take what was left. 
That's such a good idea, but it sounds kind of like a nightmare for the person having to keep up with with, with sales well, and hours. It wasn't great for them, I'm sure. However, created work for management, but it was good for y'all and motivating. Oh, it was motivating for us. We sold a lot, and it was fun. And out of the, do you do that at Dugan's? No, we don't currently. Um, it's too much work for management. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've got a very limited management staff. Um, which basically would all fall on me and I'm not really interested in doing it. Yeah, um, okay. but I just go and, and motivate people in other ways. And, you know, we have other kind of sales contests and things like that. You know, we will play like server bingo and, and stuff. So we put, you know, a, a bingo page up there and each, there are, you know, each different, uh, food items or drink items that we've got on our menu. We'll put those on there and then, you know, sell them. Okay. Today's cover all today. It's just, you know, make five or whatever the case may be. So. Well, I know it's kind of goofy, but it is fun. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do different prizes for them, whether it be, you know, a, a $25 gift certificate to Dugan's that they can either keep themselves or they can turn it in right at that moment and keep $25 cash if they win. Or, uh, sometimes. Because they probably eat free at Dugan's because you probably don't know it, but your employees are giving them <laughs> meals all the time. Uh, you know, I, one of the things that I never complain about is people eating food. Uh, which sounds totally opposite of, of what you would think, right? So guys in the kitchen, I figured out a long time ago that if you give people the keys to the kingdom, more often than not, they're not going to take it. Does that make sense? Yeah. But if you're the guy standing there holding the keys going, you're never getting them, then they're going to take anything they can get. And they're going to do it sneakily behind your back. And then all of a sudden you're creating a situation where they have to be untruthful with you and they have to try to figure out a way to you know get around you. And, I don't want that kind of culture. I don't want that kind of environment. No. And, and I don't want that kind of workplace. I'm not that kind of person. And I sure don't want to have to be that guy. That guy sucks. I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> well, I, he does. I, I don't want to be the guy that stands over you like an overlord the whole time going, don't touch that. I hate micromanaging. Oh, I don't have that kind of time in my life. And I don't want my management staff spending that kind of time on that. So, you know, we just tell the, all the guys in our kitchen, it's like, look, if you're hungry, eat. I mean, I don't know what these guys are doing when they're off work. You know, I don't know what their lives are like outside of, you know, the, my four walls. It may be that that meal that they have with me is the only meal they get that day. I don't know. You know, sirloin. It's probably not that way, but I don't know that. So I would much rather. You know, Sirloin's in would let us come in before we had a shift and would feed us. And right. all got there before our shift, so they would feed us. Well, and one of the things at Chanel and at Pleasant Valley, they always had what they called staff meal or family meal. Oh, there you go. And did the same kind of thing. It's a good time to take a break. When we come back, we're going to hear Don Dugan's Path to Success at both Dugan's Pub and Stratton's Market, which I think is named after your wife. Right? It is. We are going to ask him why he thinks Dugan's Pub has been so successful and what advice he has for up-and-coming want-to-be restaurateurs. <music> Red Dawn. Actually, everybody calls you Dugan, don't they? Well, both. Do they? Some other names I can't I really Dugan say on the air, but oh. yeah. Here and there I get those, but not, not, not all too often, hopefully. <laughs> they may be behind my back. I don't know. <laughs> I read in one of your interviews where you paid homage to 
many of your past bosses and the lessons that you learned from each one of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you were really... I, I was extremely lucky. I had some really great mentors and, and Eric still do. from the Chanel Country Club expanded yep. your knowledge and customer service. Eric Bouget, and I miss that guy like I can't even tell you. Um, sadly, he did pass oh. away. Um, right before I bought Markham Street, Eric passed away probably three or four months before I bought Markham Street Grill and Pub. Uh, out of all the people that I wanted to talk to about opening a business or running a business, he was the one, and sadly, I just, I don't know. I couldn't have a face-to-face with him. I did have a talk to him, to him, I guess, you know. And uh, hopefully he's still kind of looking down and going, Doogie, what are you doing? So I don't Where's know. he from? He's from Marseille, France. Well, I, I wish people could see your face because <laughs> you really do miss him. I do. I, I still do. And, uh, you know, every now and then I get to talk to his son, Christopher, and that's nice. And Christopher's a, a good guy. He's down in Florida, I believe, with his wife and now child. So I think good bosses make you a good boss. And then from the Pleasant Valley Country Club, you learned a lot about fine dining. I did. Um, they had uh, two separate, well, three separate dining areas there. They had the men's grill downstairs, but they also had a uh, kind of mixed grill upstairs. And then they also had a fine dining area upstairs. And the fine dining area, I learned an awful lot about formal service, which at the time that I started working there, I was about 22. And I'd been exposed a little bit, but not a whole lot. I mean, my mother's from Greenville, Mississippi, and her mother is from Greenville, Mississippi. So learning Southern hospitality was something that was in my family for a long time. And learning the formal service just in a home was something that I already was kind of familiar with, but never formal service on how to do it in a restaurant. And so it just felt very comfortable and very natural to me. There's some steps that, you know, that get lost here and there in other restaurants, and it just felt like I knew I was supposed to be there at that time. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I really enjoyed it, and I learned a lot there. The chefs that were there were really good that I worked under. I was only there for a brief period, and then I got hired on by Eric at Chanel Country Club. So. Yeah. Okay. So I kind of had those backwards. So Kelly's Bistro. Yeah taught you team building and to work anywhere needed kitchen waiting tables tending bar hosting managing and that was a place that it uh i really miss that place too um kelly's bistro was owned by craig and diane kelly craig's father was al kelly and his brother is dick kelly who was married to virginia kelly which is bill clinton's oh, yeah. wife so, so that's kind of that whole crazy connection and Craig and Diane have, were living, I think, at the time in New Orleans, and Al decided that he wanted his one and only son, Al and Nancy. Kelly decided that they wanted their one and only son at home in Little Rock, and they opened a restaurant for him and called it Kelly's Bistro. Craig trained in France to be a chef, and then also uh, at Le Cordon Bleu, like actually at Le Cordon Bleu, and then had worked in New Orleans at Commander's Palace and also out in Vegas at a few other places. Craig had incredible skill. I mean, great skill as far as being a chef. Oh, it's chef. Yeah. Oh, he was an incredible chef and came up with some really odd combinations that I was like, how in the heck is that going to work? And that's the way I felt when I heard shrimp and grits. I was like, what? (laughs) He did this one dish that uh, it just popped in my head. Uh, it was a Midori shrimp. So he took Midori, like the melon liqueur and, uh, reduced it down and mounted it with butter and then, uh, sauteed shrimp and put the shrimp in there with it and then did the, the sauce all over the, I mean, it was like a neon green plate 
and it had shrimp on it. It was fantastic. It sounds fantastic. It was fantastic. Um, I've tried to emulate it, or I've tried to repeat it, and I'm not as successful as he was at it. But, you know, it's something that we kind of do around our house every now and then. But And it's believe me, it's every now and then. Sauces are tricky. You either have a knack for it or you don't. Right. At the time, his wife, Diane Kelly, kind of ran the front of the house. Craig ran the back. And, you know, there were times that we were there. Dishwasher might not show up or... You know, he needed help in the kitchen. If I just happened to be off work and happened to be in there having a drink, and he'd be like, hey, man, come back here and help me. Uh, well, okay, as long as I hadn't had too much, you know. Yeah. So so I'd go back there and help him saute. And I'm just watching what he did, learned how to do a lot of what he did. And when I was working at Chanel, also had kind of the same scenario. I was the front of the house manager, but, I mean, every now and then something happens, and you got to go in the kitchen, you know, and uh-huh. you got to help out. So uh-huh. I I've never shied away from doing anything. You know, I, I always figured if anything, I would make myself more valuable to wherever I am because I know how to do these things. I don't think people realize that when you say it's <coughs> not in my job description, you're limiting what you're limiting your value. You know, I, I have a pretty simple phrase around our place. If somebody ever looks at you and says, that's not my job. Guess what? You're right. It's not. There's the door. I, I'll find somebody else who's not scared. Thanks. Yeah, that's right. At, and yet, Julie's, you spent a lot of time in the kitchen. And, <laughs> yeah, I did. And then at La Scala and the Afterthought, you learned the nuts and bolts of running a profitable business. And that's Correct. where so many restaurateurs m- make Fail. a mistake. Fail. Well, they do. Um, and Wally Geringer, who uh, now owns Krebs Brothers. Oh, really? At th- Correct. At the time, uh, he and his two partners owned uh, La Scala and the, and the Afterthought. And I learned more from Wally about how to... You know, work a, a balance sheet and a, a profit and loss statement and, you know, how to actually control labor and food costs and how that translates into profit, which translates into being able to pay people and making sure that you're making payroll and paying yourself, which is what a lot of people seem to forget. You know, they get in the restaurant business and think, well, as long as I can cover all my bills, I'm good. Well, no, you got to pay yourself too. I mean, you got a house note, you got kids, or well, at least I did. You know, I've got a house note, kids, cars. I mean, you got things that you got to pay for. Do you so, look at your financials, your income statement, and balance sheet every month? Every month. See, I don't think a lot of people do. No, they don't. I know when I was a young business person, I did not. I didn't even know the difference between a balance sheet and an income <laughs> statement. Before I started working for Wally, I really didn't. And I feel sorry for my accountant. He had to go, okay, your income <laughs> statement is what you earned that month and what you spent that month. Right. And then your balance sheet is how much money you have in your checking account and how much if you own in your assets. Right. And, and, your, and, and your liabilities. And what are the liabilities you have? I mean, if you if you have a loan for your business, you know, that's coming out of your balance sheet. It doesn't show up on your P&L, but it shows up on your balance sheets. And whatever you pay yourself does, too. Was there something after all these restaurants that caused you to just say, I think I'm going to go out on my own and start my own restaurant? You know, it's funny. After I left La Scala, I went back to Kelly's Bistro and was tending bar for them and kind of helping manage. And then Craig and Diane ended up getting a divorce, and then they wound up selling the restaurant. And they sold it to a guy that we were all, I mean, we were all friends, and they ended up selling it to him. And in the year and a half that he owned it, I could kind of see the decline coming, and I knew the end was near. Because he and, wasn't looking at his income statement and balance no, sheet. No, he wasn't. <laughs> that's that's one of the reasons. But uh, there's a lot more reasons than I want to get into here. Um, I don't want to disparage him or his former families. But at that time, I mean, I'm married. I've got two kids at home. i got to have a job. i got to have some income. 
And one of the guys that was a client of mine owned uh, textbook brokers. And it was uh, James Barnes and, and Jimmy Batchelor. And they said, well, you can come work for us. I said, well, okay. What am I going to do? <laughs> they said, well, we'll put you to work buying books. So I did the weirdest job I've ever done in my life, right? So I traveled around from college campus to college campus and bought textbooks from instructors. You know, uh, publishers will send things out to them in hopes that they adopt it. And if they don't, then it just sits on their shelf and dies. Well, I went around with this scanner that was about the size of an iPhone, a little bit larger, but not by much, and scanned the back of the books, told them what it was worth, and paid them cash for it. But I had to literally had to drive to each place, each little college and, and you know, uh, I mean, community colleges. I mean, all kinds of crazy little places, you know, technical schools, all that stuff. So... When I was doing that, you know, after about a year and a half of that, my wife's like, hey, I love you, but it's it's time to come home. You a know? year and a half. A year and a half. I mean, I was literally traveling for a year and a half. And at that time, my daughter's swimming competitively, so and my wife is coaching. So I would leave out Monday morning. I would go buy textbooks until Thursday afternoon. I'd come back. Friday morning, I would go turn everything in. And then on Friday afternoon, we would leave and go to whatever corner of the state we were going to for a meet that weekend or where if we were going to Oklahoma City or Dallas or Shreveport or Tunica or Memphis or, you know, St. Louis or wherever it was. So literally I would spend two nights a week at home in my bed. And yeah, that's hard. To, that's hard. That's well, hard on had I been 25 and single, it would have been the greatest job on the planet because I could have gone anywhere I wanted to as long as I could just ship books back, right? Yeah. But 31 and married and two kids, a little difficult. Well, I, I saw that in your bio that you sold books. I was like, where did that come from? That's, so you went back and bought Kelly's Bistro, didn't you? Well, actually what happened was Kelly's went out of business while I was traveling, right? Which, I mean, I knew it was coming. I could see it. And this other guy that was a customer of ours, Rick Millerick, took it over. And he turned it into Markham Street Grill and Pub. Well, Rick had never been in the restaurant business before, but he always thought it would be really cool to get in the restaurant business. And he struggled a lot with it. And I talked to him on the phone quite a bit while I was traveling. You know, I mean, I'd call in, hey, you doing all right? And he called me and asked me questions about things. And when I, I was home one weekend, and I just said, hey, listen, I I know you're not in great health. He was having some medical issues and was going to have to have surgery. And so I said, well, why don't you let me just come in and run your restaurant for you for a couple months while you're, you know, going through this and recuperating? And he was like, okay. And so we did that. And before he went in for surgery... We were there one night. I told him I needed to work a couple of weeks to kind of, you know, get things straight and figure out my bearings and figure out exactly where everybody that was on staff was so I would know how to manage things correctly. And I said, man, why don't you just let me be your partner? He was like, okay. <laughs> I love and this I guy. said, wow, all right. <laughs> we had a couple more drinks. And I said, why don't you just tell me the whole thing? He was like, okay. I mean, that was our negotiation. I'm really not joking. And, and people look at me like, it, it couldn't have been that easy. It genuinely was that easy. I think everything around you is easy. Well, sometimes, but you know, you, I went home. You, I went home that night, woke my wife up, and said, "Hey, I think we just bought a restaurant." And so, how'd you get the money? He just he just let you pay him out. No, um, did you have to go to the bank. I did. I went to uh, at that time. It was uh, first commercial. No, because banks don't like to loan restaurants money. I know, um, but I got it at a really great price. My father did co-sign for me. The guys that I worked with were. Gosh, I guess it was First Commercial Bank at the time. They changed names so much. I, I know it's hard keep to keep up. up. I know. Right. Uh, but the two guys that I went to go see were in charge of the lending department, and they were customers anyway, so they knew the potential of what was there. Oh, they knew me. I mean, they'd known me for about five years, so they knew that 
I wasn't just some Yahoo going, sweet, we're going to get a restaurant. Woo, we're going to drink it up. You know, I mean, that's How old not, were you when you bought that restaurant? I was 32, 33. That's, that's a good age to buy a restaurant. So, yeah, I was old enough that I was going to be a complete and total moron. Not that I wasn't upon occasion. But, but young you know, enough to stand on your feet and have the energy to do a restaurant. It is hard right. work. Yes, ma'am, it is. But I'm used to it. You know, it's it's just what I do. I enjoy it. I'm very lucky to have a job that I enjoy doing. I count my lucky stars every day. And... Say thanks to the man upstairs because that's honestly the only reason I'm here doing what I do and I enjoy doing what I do. I mean, my father always told me when I was growing up, he said, listen, I don't really care what you do. Just find something you enjoy doing and you'll find a way to get paid for it. Don't worry about the money aspect. And I was like, pop, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But it did. But it did. And so far it's done okay. So it went from Kelly's Bistro to Markham. Markham Street Grill and Pub. Rick and, turned it into that, and, and I bought you, it from Rick. And did you name it after your daughter, Sky? No. What's um, Sky Bistro? Well, that's uh, something that we currently have downtown, uh, and it's inside of the grocery store. So oh. the little the little restaurant part that's in there. I know when you were in there the other day, you saw we had the market. Oh, yeah, the little uh, deli kind of over there? Correct. And we built in a whole kitchen over there, and we just called it Sky's Bistro after so my daughter. Everything so everything downtown is named after a family member. There's Dugan. Right. There's... Stratton after right. your wife's maiden name, mm-hmm. and there's Sky after your daughter's. Well, you got two sons. You're gonna name. So you got to buy two well, more businesses. We've got Ronan's mac and cheese on our menu, and we've got Finn's steak sandwich on our menu. There so you go. We got them covered. Well, how about your dad, who's played such an important part? Uh, you know, his last name is on that building too. So, you know, it's it's important oh, that's to true. me. Dugan is his last yeah. name, so it is a legacy. And he was alive when we opened the place. I remember. We had, uh, Is he passed too? Uh, yeah, he did. He, sadly, he passed about now two years ago. Oh, I'm sorry. And uh, you know, he was in the last class to graduate from 1957 from Central High before they integrated. Oh, really? He was. One of the things when we were opening Dugan's, when we had kind of already sealed the deal and gotten money all kind of squared away, you know, without his help at all but on this go around because of what we'd done at Markham Street, and so he's walking around in there. And uh, I think we had, I think we'd poured concrete, but we hadn't done anything else in there. And he's looking around, and he's like, you know, he's looking at the the plans that we've got. And he said, "Son, how much is this going to be?" And I told him the amount, and he was like, "Golly, man, those those banks are going to own you." And I said, "No, Dad, they're going to own my debt. They don't own me. They own my debt." But the good news is, is that my fear of failure is stronger than anything else. So I'm gonna drive we're gonna make this work and he was like okay if you say so and he got to see five years of me busting butt and making this thing work and i i can't tell you the number of times in my life that my father looked at me and just said you know i'm I'm just proud of you i'm just proud of what you did i'm proud of who you are and there have been some times that have been very easy to not be so proud of me i promise but you know there's some times i'm not proud of me but (laughs) You know, he always, he was always a huge positive influence in that regard. And that's something that I take away from him that I make sure that I try to instill in all three of my children as well. And that's, it's important. I mean, you know, kids need to know that your, your parents, not only do they love you, but they're proud of you and they, they're proud of what you do and how you're doing it. And if they're not doing it well, then you got to call them out on that too. But you you can always find something to be proud of. Always. Well, I think you did a great tip. You gave great advice when you said your fear of failure is bigger. Than, <laughs> I, I think that's a great motivator. I hate failing. I think that's a. I think that's a 
a fear that a lot of entrepreneurs have. This is a great time to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to find out more about uh, Don Dugan buying and moving to his own restaurant, Dugan's Pub. And we're going to find out um, how about Stratton Market Mm -hmm. and how you bought the Stratton Market and uh, what his advice is for being successful and why he is successful. And he's going to give advice to up-and-coming wannabe restaurateurs. Restaurants failed. Dugan's Pub was successful right out of the gate. Yeah, somehow or another. I don't know. Was that because of all your experience? <laughs> if you could give a bit of information to I, help someone else reach their potential entrepreneurship, would it be to say get experience? That's what you did? I, either get experience or find somebody that's got experience to do it. If you've never been in the restaurant business before, listen, I, I consult, but I'm not the only person in town that's that's smart enough to be able to do this. I mean, there's plenty of other places in town that are locally owned and, and really really good i mean the whole yellow rocket concept group they do a really great job peter brave has been doing this forever and does a really great job mark at local luna has been doing this forever you know and does a really great job there's lots of really great independently owned restaurants in little rock that's one of the things that i find the most incredible how many independently owned restaurants there are you know chris tanner chris tanner does a great job at cheers i mean there's there's lots of really great places Brunos. Oh, right. The Brunos. I mean, three generations. Incredible, right? But their food is just still phenomenal. It's as good as now as it was way back then. As a, as a kid, I remember eating there and it's, it was great then. It's still great now. Um, you know, the villa was here for years and it was a phenomenal restaurant when I was a kid. My parents loved it. You also have the Faded Rose. Ed Davidson, a great job down there. They get moved here for a job from other cities, and they come to Little Rock, and they are amazed at the quality of food in Little Rock, Arkansas. And I think it has to do with Jacques and Suzanne. You know, it's they funny. a lot of people. It all started out of there, didn't it? It did seem I mean, like you look it. at all the different people that came out of that tree. I mean, you've got, you've got Peter Brave. You've got Mark Abernathy. you got – I mean, there's so many that came out of there. Prego's. The guy Louis, from Prego's. Louis Petit. I mean, they, they all came out of that tree, and then – how many other people have, you know, worked underneath them and then how that's just grown. But Jacques and Suzanne's was a phenomenal place that was here in town. And we, we talk about this as the biggest little city. I'm born and raised here, and I don't know that I'd want to live anywhere else. I mean, unless it's, you know, right on the ocean. Other than that, I no. I would like to be able to fly straight somewhere from the airport. That would be that nice. That would be really cool. I know. I mean, unless you're going to Dallas or St. Louis or Atlanta. You know. you know, you're pretty much stuck. So, uh, was there? So you decided. Now we got to find out. You're, you've got Kelly's Bistro, which is now Markham's Bistro, right? Markham Street Grill and Pub. Street, okay, and now you've decided you're going to move. You're going to open up Dugan's Pub. What? What made that happen? Well, we were. My wife and I were kind of looking around, and I was trying to find another location, and we were trying to find something downtown. And quite honestly, I was kind of irritated with the whole two percent tax that all the restaurants had to pay, and the places out west. We're paying it, but weren't receiving hardly any of the benefit from it. I didn't feel like. And so I wanted to be somewhere downtown that we could do that and at least receive the benefit out of the tax that we're paying. Because a lot of what they're doing is driving people in town 
and you know convention business and so things like that. You're talking about like the tourism tax that people Correct. pay on their food, and you felt like all that money was going to the restaurants downtown. Right. Well, I mean, not necessarily to the restaurants, but what the Convention and Visitors Bureau was advertising was more in the downtown area, and that's more in the revitalization convention of downtown, Center. and that's, that's more what they were trying to achieve. And I get it. You know, I understand. There's not a lot of places that you can just walk around in West Little Rock, right? No, right. You got to drive um, there, and if and yeah, correct. If you don't have a car and you're stuck at the Crown Plaza, then guess what? You're still just stuck at the Crown Plaza. Yeah. But I was trying to find a place downtown that I wanted to go, and we looked at a couple different places. I looked at Villa Rouge at that time, which is now Big Whiskey's, and put in a bid uh, for that spot. But at the same time, somebody else had already put in a spot a bid for that spot, which was Daniel from Big Whiskey's, and I, I didn't realize that at the time that we were making the bids and then daniel they went with his bid as opposed to mine because he's already kind of a were you going to move your markham street wasn't going to move i was going to open a second you're going to open a second is what i wanted to do and i figured ah oh, that would be so fantastic it's the first address on markham i don't have to change my logo i don't have to change my menu i don't have to change anything i can do exactly what i want to do yeah i can do exactly what we're doing now just do it downtown so you were going to call it Markham too? It's going to be Markham Street Grill and Pub. All you right. know, it was going to be the same thing because it's still on Markham. You didn't get that one, so Dugans didn't, came. Didn't up. get that, and the about Dugans a spot. month about a month later, um, I got a phone call from one of the guys at Moses Tucker that we'd been talking to, and he said, "Man, I've got a couple of places I want you to come look at." And I said, well, "Okay." So my wife and I loaded up. We came down, met him, and uh, looked at the space that we're currently in. But we also looked at the space that Dizzy's is in. And at the time, I think Vermilion Water Grill had just closed. And we kind of looked around in there. And, you know, I told Rhett Tucker at the time, I was like, man, are you sure that this would be a spot that you'd want me to be in? Because I'm going to open a pub. And I don't know if this is necessarily what you want in your business. I mean, your offices are a couple floors above us. I don't know if that's going to represent you quite the way that you want to do. And he was like, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, I mean, it's going to be a pub, you know? What's well, cheers? It's like cheers. Who doesn't want to have a cheers on the corner? Right. And he said, well, think about it, but let's go over here and look at this space. And we walked over to the corner of Third and Rock. Oh. And it was it? in the bottom of River Market Tower. And so I walked to that corner and I looked northwest and then I looked back to the east and I looked south. And I said, you know, every car that comes to this intersection has to look this way, at this corner where we would be if we were here. And my wife said, yep, they sure would. So every person that drives past there is going to have to look at our building and see what we are before they keep going. And you are so right on. It goes better there than it does where you were where right. you originally looked at it. It really uh, does. Absolutely. You know, when there were rocks on the ground when we signed the lease and we met when we made the decision to do it. And we what does really that mean great, there were rocks on the ground? I mean, there were literally rocks they on the ground. They hadn't even built the building? But the building was there, but, you know, it, there was no, it was just a shell on the bottom floors. Oh. They'd already had the condos upstairs that they'd done, but downstairs, I mean, there were no demising walls. There was no concrete poured for any of the flooring. I mean, none of do that. Do you rent that space or do you own it? Currently, we rent uh, and we lease it. And mm -hmm. um, hopefully that'll change after we finish paying off our initial loan to Oh, to so they are the all open stuff. to selling? Uh, I'm sure everybody's open to selling. Well, that's so you know. true. And then, so that started off and has been solvent since the day you started. We've done pretty well. And you just started off right and have been solvent ever since. You did a business plan, like on oh, paper. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody needs to do a business Writing plan. Writing a business plan is the most painstaking, pain in the rear thing that you don't want to do. But it is the most crucial and necessary 
because it helps and and go back and look at it at least once a year and so that way you kind of stay on track with what you're doing was there anything that happened that you didn't expect to happen oh absolutely like um, what gosh right when we first started we had a lot more uh big groups that were trying to come in and we couldn't accommodate them oh a party have, room right we didn't have one and i was just kind of stuck i was like geez i would love to seat 25 people in here but you know, you guys do that. I'm going to have to close down the restaurant. And it's just not, we didn't plan for that contingency. And once uh, we'd been open for about eight or nine months, the space that was next door, it was a pharmacy, closed. And I went straight to Jimmy and Rhett and I said, hey, I would like that space. And they said, sure, <laughs> we'd love to give you that space. We would, however, like to see some hard retail in there. And I said, well, I don't really know anything about retail. And they were like, huh, great. <laughs> oh, okay. So what we wound up doing, the compromise that we made, was the back part of that space we used as a party room. So now when you go into Dugan's, if you turn left, um, you just kind of keep following it around, you'll go into a party room that holds about 30. And in the front part of that space, we did just a small little bodega-type grocery store. You know, at that time, it was just milk, bread, eggs, cereal, toilet paper, paper towels. I mean... All the basic things that you needed, right? And for all those for all those apartments down there. Right, for the condos that are there and, and the apartments that are there. And there weren't as many at the time as there are now. And it, weren't, it wasn't near as full then as it is now. So it was a little tough getting that going. Did you and think you had done it wrong? Yeah, because I don't know anything about retail. I, I really don't. I know in the restaurant business you buy for one and sell for three. And in the grocery business you buy for one and sell for one and a quarter. I mean, I had a conversation with Charles about that, you know, when I saw him. I was like, holy crap, how did you do it all that time? He says, just by volume. I mean, you got to move people through. I said, man, I guess so, but oh, my gracious. That's why small grocery stores are suffering, I guess. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, it's a tough business. I just, I'm not But you can sell convenience. My wife, on the other hand, has figured it out and has done really well with it. I am terrible at it. Well, you don't price match. You can't possibly price match Walmart or Kroger. I mean, you've got to, to pay to for degree, that convenience of being we downtown. To. Well, if we don't, then people look and go, oh, you're so expensive. Well, how does Terry's Finer Food do so good? Right. Because of convenience up there. They're a grocery Part store it, that's yep. done well for decades because <laughs> people are like, I don't want to go park miles away and go into Kroger and spend 30 minutes. I'm going to run in here and buy a couple of things. Right. And, and That's so, part of what we do. And so how did you end up putting liquor in there? Well, while we were in there, uh, we went ahead and applied for a beer and a small farm wine license, right? So that in a grocery store previous to this session of our legislature, you could get a license that allowed you to sell beer and small farm wine. Small farm wine is just dictated by the fact that they sell less than 250,000 gallons a year. Oh. So you got things like Mad Housewife and uh, Brownstone and, and some others that you'll see in Kroger and Walmart currently, right? Well... We got that, and we were selling some, and, you know, a lot of beer and some wines, but, I mean, they're not really great wines. People are still going to the liquor store to go buy what they wanted because I'd rather have a bottle of Honig than a bottle of Mad Housewife, I promise. So <laughs> so I got approached by a friend of mine that said, hey, if you had an opportunity to buy this license, would you be interested? And I said, well, yeah, I'd be interested. Let's at least talk it out and see, if, you know, I mean, it may be that we can't, but I don't know. Let's talk about it. So. Talk and this license guy. is a license for a grocery store to sell hard liquor. Right. To be, um, which there's not very many. No, there are only two left active in the state. And one is at a Walgreens in West Memphis. And we have the other one. And it was right there at 3rd and Main. It was the Newsmart. Do you remember Newsmart being there at 3rd and Main? 
right next door to Bennett's oh, yeah, 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 supply. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. it was the license that was in there. And I think Dennis Bailey is the guy that owned it. And, you know, the opportunity came up to, to buy it and we negotiated and got things worked out and we bought it. And we did not want to go right back into that space. But a lot of times with liquor store, actually almost every time with liquor store permits, they can go right back into where they were. And, you know, moving them is kind of a bit of a trick. We had had precedent on that particular license that had been moved three blocks 10 years before. So we kind of used that precedent and said, we're going to move it again. And we wanted to go to another place that was there on Main. But at that point, they adopted or they invoked this rule that you can't go within a 1,000 feet of a church or a school. Right. And East End being right there. Oh, yeah, right. Kind of hosed. However, had we gone right back into the spot where it was, we could stay there because it had previously been permitted there. And we decided that, yeah, and we decided that it was kind of a dump and not really where we wanted to be and not what we wanted to do. And so we had the opportunity to move it right down next to Dugan's Pub and put it in where Stratton's market, you know, the little bitty small market currently was. And so we decided to do that. And at the time, we were 1,015 feet from door to door from the school. And we were 985 feet from the Episcopal Church that's right there behind us. And they were like, nah, we're good. We're Episcopal. We're fine. Uh, and so, <laughs> well, you know, Whiskey Pellions, what do you want? Hey, um, hey. No, no, they're fine. They call themselves that. So with the school, they were like, okay, well, you're 1,015 feet. You're good. So we did that. We moved it in there and we started to stock. And about that time, the people that were on the far end of the bottom of the building, they were doing uh, Herman Miller office furniture and setting up office scapes and things like that for people. And they were looking to move. And Jimmy and Rhett came and said, hey, if uh, these guys moved out, would you guys be interested in taking over the space? And we're like, yeah, we're busting at the seams. We need it. So they moved out and we took over that space. So now we've got all three spaces in the bottom of the River Market Tower. Well, I wondered, because when I was at Dugan's in the back party room, yeah. you go through that wall, you go back to the party room, and then you come out and you look in the back of that grocery store right. and deli. And I was like, who is that over there? I had no idea it was y'all. I was like, well, they've got a doorway between Dugan's and that place. I thought that was unusual. Now I know it's It is yours. unusual. And it, uh, quote, unquote, stays locked. So you have found a way to get increased revenue by adding to your product line at your grocery store. Absolutely. And the product line is alcohol, your 12-foot wine wall. Right. That was something that I absolutely thought we had to have. We had to, I mean, I wanted something that looked grand. You it know, does. Something that looked cool. And, I've and seen it's got farmers. a library ladder. And I was like, yes, library ladder. That's a good idea. Let's do that. And my wife was like, you are so goofy. I love that. I said, I know, ladder. but it'd be awesome. Let's do it. <laughs> it's like Beauty and the Beast. I love a library ladder. <laughs> So, and when I was in there, I bought farmer's market strawberries from you. Yep. And then right next to that's a deli for lunch? Correct. When we moved over into that third space, we installed a full kitchen in the middle part there. So we've got a a roaster that we do whole chickens on every day. We've got a convection oven. uh, We've got a stovetop. And we've got uh, a slicer. And we slice deli meats and cheeses. And we make sandwiches. And we've got a, a menu that we do. Right there, and uh, when we first started it, we did Sky's Bistro more as a, uh, a French flair kind of a place, and it was something more that uh, you know that we wanted to do. My daughter was making duck confit and what? you know things like that. How old's your daughter? He's twenty-two. 
Your daughter is 22? Yep. Uh, How long have you been married? Uh, 16 years as of May 1st. Oh, I'm sorry. And we dated, no, 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 it's fine. Uh, we dated for five years before we got married. I so. was going to say... She's my wife's daughter from her first marriage, but I adopted her when she was eight, about a year after we got married. So she looked at me and said, would you adopt me? And I was she like... She married an older married? woman. No. She's like, well, six months older, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I was going to be excited if you had. Because <laughs> I'm an older woman, I was going to be... Say well. Yay! Hmm. <laughs> well, she's six months older, so yeah. Okay, uh, so no. if... Uh, the new president of France is married to an older woman. Really? Emmanuel Macron, his wife's like 20 years older than him. What? <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't know. I didn't know the French did that. Well, you know he's oh, got Come a on, they're French. He's got a girlfriend, I'm too, sure he I'm does. sure. Um, uh, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> You're probably right, though. Out of all the stuff <laughs> you've done, what is the most intimidating thing that you've done? God, paying taxes. I freaking hate it. Oh, my gosh. Scare you? Yeah, because if I screw up, then not only have I paid the taxes, but I've screwed up, and then now you've got to pay more to get it straight. You know, it's just dumb. The way that the system is set up, it's set up for you to basically fail. If you don't have an accountant to keep you straight and you're trying to do it yourself, you're screwed. I know. I mean, unless you unless your brain works that way, which my brain does not work that way. Well, you couldn't own a restaurant and have your brain no. work that way. I can't sit in a cube. I'm not that guy. I, I just, I'm not. My brother is that guy. He currently does it and he loves it and he's great at it. Is he an accountant? Uh, no, but no. he uh, he does IT security. But he's on a computer all day. But the, he loves it, and he's great at it. I am terrible at sitting still. I'm awful at it. So I know that that was the very first question I asked my mother before I ever even started my business. I said, how do I pay taxes? Because that was the very first thing Good I'm Lord. scared of. And she said, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. <laughs> that really is the truth of when what I, she said. When I was, I guess, working for Wally, I'd asked it. You know, at that time, I was the general manager of La Scala and the Afterthought, so... All this stuff fell on my head to make sure it got, it got done every month. And, I mean, he was my backup to make sure that I was doing it. But then I'm just looking at him, and I'm like, man, how do you keep all this straight? And he said, we have really good accountants on purpose. And I was like, okay. They're worth their money. Right. So pay them and shut up and be happy, you know. But I do think that you can just jump into something. And then when it gets to the end of the year, right. hire somebody else to do your taxes for Absolutely. you. I mean, I have... Uh, we do a system now that, that Wally taught me that I still do. We have all of our month-end stuff done by the 5th and to the accountant by the 5th. So of what? Of the beginning of the next month. Like, so for oh, yeah. April, yeah. Um, we had everything done and to the accountant, you know, we had our, our bank statements reconciled. We had all that stuff. And a lot of that stuff I do online with uh, QuickBooks online. I mean, it's 25 bucks a month and it's worth it. Every penny. The reports you can get so out of that thing your, are incredible. you run your restaurant with QuickBooks online? Absolutely. And you can do it from anywhere because it's online? Yep. Oh, I can take smart. all my report stuff and go enter it in and do all that. Are you your main manager or do you have another manager? I have a general manager. Her name is Dominique Greer. She's been with us for, I guess, almost four years. And she... She started she, out waiting tables in Tenon Bar. And, and you then, promoted her. Absolutely. She runs the restaurant. Who runs the deli? And who runs the grocery store? My wife runs the deli and the grocery store. Or is in charge of it all. Um, we've got a gentleman, Stephen Burrow, who is our chef. He was the chef at the Clinton Center for about six years, and he is our chef that is our general manager over there. So you mean the Clinton Library? Correct. Okay. And so Stephen runs that over there. Stephen's been with us for about ten months, I guess. And do you have turnover? Not a lot. You know, restaurants usually do. Typically, yeah. I always kind of try to stay with a, a core group of people. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. 
keep a core group. You're always going to have one or two on the periphery that come and go, and that's fine. And uh, we had a girl that came to us last summer that was in town to train with the rugby league that's here or the rugby group that's here, and she needed a job, and it was just for the summer. She wound up being a phenomenal waitress. Is she going to stay? No, because she's got another life in Florida where she's going to school and finishing out, but she was here just to train. That's one of those kind of people that are just on the periphery that kind of come and go. But you keep a good, solid core group of folks, and I think the people that we've got currently in our core on our front of the house have been with us for about three years. For a restaurant, is phenomenal. And the guys in the back of the house, I think the core group is about two, two and a half years. That's pretty um, good. Out of my kitchen, which it, it leads to consistency. You know, you get in that restaurant business, you just get sucked in because the money's so good. Well, yeah, it can be. It can be, really. Sure You're going to do it forever? Probably. You like it? You I do. Love it. I love it. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the first guy to jump in if the drains need cleared, you know, or if, uh, you know, toilet backs up, okay, I'll go fix it. And that's the part of the job that's really kind of crummy sometimes, and I really wish somebody else would take the lead on it, but they all look at me and go, you going to fix that? I remember yes. I remember my boss, Aaron Ross, at Sirloin's Inn when I waited tables there, which I love waiting tables also. But he was saying one day about being the boss, and he said, the boss is the person that cleans the toilets when nobody else will. That's I thought, true. I thought, really? Yes, really. <laughs> <laughs> what are your hours? We are open at 11 o'clock every day. Every uh, day? Every day, Monday through Friday. When do you close? We close at 1, Monday through Thursday, 2 on Friday, and 1 on Saturday. Oh, my. And, at night? Yes, ma'am. Uh, and oh at my 10 o'clock on Sunday. So. Oh, my But our my kitchen's gosh. open till midnight every day. So except, no way. Except for Sunday. You mean you can eat down there till midnight? Oh, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, absolutely. There's nowhere so you, that does that. Right. That's why we do. And uh, there's people that work in restaurants that get off work, and they're like, oh, I'm hungry. We're, I don't want to go to Waffle House. I don't you, get go out of the, you get out of the Great. movie, don't go there. Come and here. you can't go get a dinner. Right. Except for the Faded Rose stayed open. You stay up right. till 11. They still do. And I I've all, been there at 1045 and sat down to eat. And you're <laughs> open. To, you serve dinner till midnight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every night but Sunday night. Right. And everything we do, we make fresh. We have one small chest freezer there, like what you can buy at Home Depot. It's literally like the size of our... One of our tables at work, and that's it. But everything else is done fresher. We don't do it. And so we hand batter, hand make everything. I mean, like chicken strips, we hand cut chicken breasts to make strips, and then we hand batter them when you order it. So, so they're not coming does, from Sam's. No, ma'am. <laughs> we don't do anything prepackaged, or, and we don't open bags and pour it in, you know. And we don't have the boil in the bag type stuff. That's just not what we do. Oh my gosh, we've got to go. I'm so glad you came on today. You are so interesting. Listen, you'll enjoy this. This is your gift for birthing a business. You get a cigar and you smoke. You win a cigar. (laughs) Say the secret word. You win a hundred (laughs) dollars. I knew he'd like that. Who's our guest next week, Tim? Next week we will be talking with Stephen Bentley and Deanna Court. Talking about Riverfest. Oh, that'll be good. That's a big business over there. Also, if you have a great entrepreneurial story you would like to share, I would love to hear from you. Send a brief bio or your contact info to questions at upyourbusiness.org and someone will be in touch. And finally, to our listeners, thank you for spending time with me. If you think this program has been about you, you're right. But it's also been for me. Thank you for letting me fulfill my destiny. My hope today is that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next Friday. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. 
Want to hear today's program again or want someone else to benefit from it? Jot this down. Within 48 hours, the podcast will be available at flagandbanner.com. Click the tab labeled Radio Show. There you'll find today's segment with links to resources you heard discussed on this program. Carrie's goal, to help you live the American dream.